Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Rifflers. This is Riffs and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go to many 5e books and talk about various rules and haunt your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riffwike. And I'm Remy, a player on Riffwike and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about crafting a magic item. Nathan, how does crafting work in 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, so uh, you need to punch a tree and get some wood, right? And then you turn it into a crafting table, and then uh, <laughs> you can start crafting. Uh-huh. And uh, let me guess. Skyrim? <laughs> no. Minecraft. Minecraft. Of course. Of course. Fuck you. <laughs> <sighs> but seriously, though, Dungeons & Dragons, how goes? No idea. <laughs> All right. So uh, for some context, folks, uh, this is yet another of those cases of, wait, we didn't do that yet. We have done an episode on pricing magic items in a D&D world, and yet somehow we forgot to do crafting first. So that's our bad. So how you choose to implement the idea of crafting at all is a matter of some debate. So even taking aside you know, the homebrew angle entirely. Nathan, how many sets of rules do you think that there are for 5th edition crafting? Three. Oh, please do go on. Uh, no idea what any of those are. I don't know if it's true or not. I'm just giving you a fat number that I think might be true. <laughs> I mean, depending on exactly how you count things, I would say four. Number one, you don't. It is perfectly within your right as a dungeon master to say the art of making magic items is a lost art. A lot of the assumed lore in honestly a lot of D&D is actually more towards that angle of things that like, yeah, you might find a magic item in a crypt or held by some old, powerful, rich beings, but it is totally fine to just say 
you can't make new magic items for reasons. And whatever those reasons are, again, could be just totally up to you just to suit your world. Whether it is just like it just, you know, civilizations rise and fall and the knowledge is just currently lost. Uh, whether it is something along the lines of maybe it's just a super, super, you know, tightly held secret by some very specific group. So it's simply incredibly rare for new things to be created. Whatever the reason that is option number one, it just you can't for whatever that reason is. So two and three are kind of interrelated because they're both written rules, but they're rather significantly different. And what I'm speaking about here is the actual optional crafting rules that do exist in the Dungeon Master's Guide and the rules, different rules, in Xanathar's Guide to Everything. So that's unfortunate. Uh, I am curious, Nathan, do you know anything at all about the actual rules that do exist? No, I, I really don't. Like, all right. Uh, you, you might as well be asking me, okay, Nathan, uh, do all dragons fly in D&D? I'd be like, I, I don't know. Remy? True. That is something you would not know. But... The reason I'm giving you extra shit about it this time, it wasn't that long ago we had the conversation on pricing of magic items, and I did talk about it a little bit there. So I know you've at least heard some things, but Nathan does not care about rules and does not let that get saved in his brain. Anyway, so I'll start with the Dungeon Master's Guide side of things. Uh, one important thing when it comes to finding these rules, it is part of downtime. So, Nathan, can you remind me what some of the pros and cons of downtime is? So, uh, downtime is really uh, good because it's a uh, non-combat way to improve your characters. There's a lot of things that you can do, like get, train certain things. The bad thing is that it never happens. Yeah. Player characters are rarely willing to sit around and do something for a month or more when there's shit going on. There's always some time-sensitive quest or request that the characters are dealing with, or it's just plain old wanderlust. They want to just do something different. So, yeah, downtime is something that there is a lot written about, but it really just isn't done a lot so that is just something to keep in mind if you do want to use rules as written uh actually let me go ahead and just preface everything that i'm about to say with this this is one of those cases where i don't like the rules as written any of the rules as written and i basically don't use any of it as written i go for option four homebrew uh, but that is skipping ahead. We will absolutely touch on that in a little while. So, Dungeon Master's Guide Crafting Rules. So, it's funny how they phrase this, because there's all these charts and paragraphs of stuff about what you can do, but there's one important disclaimer that I want to just make sure I read the exact text here. Magic items are the DM's purview so you decide how they fall into the party's possession. As an option, you can allow player characters to craft magic items. 
So by rules as written, this is an optional system. If you want to, there be to no crafting at all. If you want to have specialist NPCs, if you want to allow your PCs to craft, it is all optional. That being said, the actual rules themselves. Ba, 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 ba. <sighs> you have to have a formula that describes the construction of the item. You also have to be a spellcaster with spell slots and have to be able to cast any spells that the item can produce. Also, the character has to meet a level minimum determined by the item's rarity, as shown in a table I'll get to in a moment. So, for example, a third level character cr could create a Wand of Magic Missiles, an uncommon item, as long as the character has spell slots and can cast magic missiles. That same character could make a plus one weapon, another uncommon item, no particular spell needed. You can decide that certain items require special materials or locations to be created. For example, a character might need alchemist supplies to brew a particular potion, or the formula for a flame tongue might require that the weapon be forged with lava. So, I like some of the theory behind this, but I have significant issue overall. First things first, there is a lot of emphasis placed here on character level, which I'm not particularly fond of. My personal preference would be more along the lines of it simply being an ability check with a DC for the different rarities of items, instead of simply saying someone has to be an 11th level character to make a very rare magic item, because that's insane. Like, most blacks, most people in the world are not going to be near 11th level, and sure, you know, that's kind of the point, is that very rare is supposed to be very rare, I get it, but the fact that a craftsman has to be that, quote-unquote, I'm not okay with that, and that's just not logical, and I love me some logic. But anyway, um, let me go on to the, the chart itself on crafting magic items. So it does have all the five rarities here. Well, well it, artifacts don't count. You, you can't craft artifacts. That's the kind that takes ridiculous magical bullshit or something like a deity or demon lord or some such. So artifacts not count. But yeah, common, uncommon, rare, very rare, and legendary. So the way that they have this split up, they have a minimum character level needed to craft the item and then a creation cost. So... For, again, common, uncommon, rare, very rare, legendary. Third level for common, third level for uncommon. Sixth level for rare, 11th for very rare, 17th for legendary. Huh. Out of curiosity, Nathan, do you notice any patterns in those numbers? Uh, no. No. There's patterns to some of it, but it's inconsistent and that infuriates me. So, if it followed, like, the progression of uh spells then that would make some sense because as a reminder spellcasters their cantrips become more powerful at levels 5 11 and 17 so that would make sense somewhat if you're going to go level based and yeah the fact that it's third level and sixth level for the first few are just i'm not a big fan like i'm just really not a big fan of the whole minimum level thing but anyway creation cost 100 gold, 500, 5,000, 50,000, 
500,000 gold to create a legendary. Now, do you notice a factor that is missing from this chart? Nope. Time. Right. Because the Dungeon Master's Guide crafting rules, all crafting, whether magical or not, is assumed to take place in 25 gold increments per day. So in order to make an uncommon magic item, you have to math it because they couldn't just put another fucking column on the chart. So, yeah, not a big fan. And of course, the fact that it is assumed that the character is working for eight hours a day to do that. And there's no rules or nothing solid, at least, about, well, wait, can't, could you do like four hour chunks so you could do it on the road? Can you do it on the road at all? Can you work a 16-hour day if you just really want to try to speed this up? No. You, 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 by rules as written, it, it, none of, you can do none of those things. Which, again, uh, I know that the whole point of 5th edition is for it to be a simpler entry in D&D, but uh, I like rules and I wish that there was a pit more there than what they actually give us <sighs> anyway uh there is a, still a little bit more here when it comes to uh the actual crafting process which is if a spell is produced by the item uh the creator has to expend one spell slot of the spell's level for each day of the creation process so that's a detail that is kind of interesting the idea that okay so let's just say you're trying to invent a new item, a wand of disintegration, then you would need to expend that sixth level spell slot every single day for the time to create such a thing. Like, that's a kind of interesting trade-off to me when thinking about designing other rules for making magic items. Like, could you imagine just, like, the trade-off if you gave a character an option? Okay, yeah. Like, let's just say that you have some way that you can just work on the road for some particular item. Okay, but every single day that you're working on this, you have to expend that spell slot. So let's just say that the characters are just at the level like, where they have Disintegrate, then that means that like if they're expending that spell slot, they don't have that spell ready because they're focusing towards the creation of the magic item. That's the kind of thing that I want to happen as a complication of wanting to craft a thing. Have there be opportunity cost choice instead of time skip, things done. Ugh. Anyway, I keep getting into the opinion before I actually finish the rules, and that's unlike me. I apologize. Uh, bu, bu. Oh, uh, multiple characters can combine their efforts to make a magic item as long as they all meet the level prerequisite. Uh, they can... Each character can contribute spells, spell slots, and components, as long as everyone participates during the entire crafting process. Each character can contribute 25 gold worth of effort for each day help crafting the item. Which, again, that makes sense. So you can just have, like, three people working, and it takes a third the time. Good. Logical. Linear. I'm okay with that. And that's kind of it in terms of what it says in the Dungeon Master's Guide. That's not great. It's ridiculously expensive and time-consuming. The level minimums are irksome. So let's just skip on ahead over to Xanathars. So they, they tried in Xanathars to make things better. 
but uh, better doesn't mean great. So first things first, they did introduce a time section to the chart, which I appreciate. Um, what is also interesting is that instead of thinking in terms of work days, they decided to change it to be in work weeks, where each work week is assumed to be the you know perfect modern workday of five workdays of eight hours a day, which, I don't know, it just seems an odd choice to presuppose such things. Uh, also, though, they did change, like, okay, okay, maybe 25 is too slow. So now they decided to up it to a whopping 50 gold per day, with nothing existing except for more people to increase that number at all. Ugh, I don't like that. Anyway, uh, they also have added a new restriction in terms of what you actually need to be able to craft something, which is proficiency with the tools needed, which actually makes a lot more fucking sense than just a minimum level. So one thing that is actually rather interesting to me, the Xanathar rules do not have that level, which makes me a lot happier about the Xanathar rules, just at least in comparison. So yeah, so it's logic, you know, okay, yeah, you need smith tools if you want to make armor or weapons, you know, weaver's tools if you want to make, you know, cloaks, robes, that kind of stuff, etc., etc. Like, you need to just have the reasonable proficiency with a tool or proficiency with the arcanist skill. And honestly, that makes a lot more sense to me. Uh, for better and for worse, though, there's still no ability checks. It is always assumed that you are going to be able to do the thing that you try to do. Uh, there does exist a complications table, but to be blunt, that's just not something that I'm fond of and don't think it's worth the time to even talk about any more than just mentioning that it exists. Anyway, so the actual chart involved for this one, though. Common, one week. Uncommon, two. Rare, 10 work weeks, very rare, 25, legendary, 50. So just shy of a year to make a legendary item. They also updated the costs, which is interesting to me. So again, common, 50 gold, uncommon, 200, rare, 2,000, very rare, 20,000, and legendary, 100,000. Out of curiosity, do you remember any of the prices I mentioned in the first chart? No. <laughs> All the prices have been reduced drastically for what it costs to make a magic item. So it went from, so for common, 100 gold in the Dungeon Master's Guide, 50 gold in Xanathar. And it just keeps, not in a pattern, but reduced at least. 500 down to 200, 5,000 down to 2,000, 50,000 down to 20,000, and 500,000 down to 100,000. So still an enormous amount of gold to make a magic item, but less what kind of bullshit is this? No one has that quantity of gold unless their dungeon master doesn't know how money works. <clears throat> However, there is one other wrinkle to all of these rules that I glossed over at the beginning because I want to make a point of it here. The formula. Nathan, have you or any dungeon master you've ever played with actually used a magic item formula? as a necessity for crafting. No, never. No. 
That's a dumb, stupid rule, and I hate it. However, there is an aspect of that that I do find to be interesting, which is the idea of magic item ingredients, which is as part of the formula for making a magic item, you need to have a bit of some creature or some some magical thing that is aligned with the thing that you're trying to create. And honestly, more than the gold cost even, I think that this would be a more interesting direction to take magic item crafting. So for something like that, okay, let's say that, you know, you're trying to make like an anti-magic grenade. Well, okay, if you could get your hands on a beholder's central eye, that would make a very logical ingredient for such a powerful potion because it does the thing that you're trying to do. So having something thematically aligned can be a lot of fun for you as a dungeon master. Also, it's something that you could have a lot of fun with by giving your players some options on how they might like to go about such task. So as an example, okay, let's say uh, Flame Tongue is a classic magic item for good reason. It's a sword that lights on fire and does fire damage in addition to the slashy bits. What's not to love? So, Nathan, can you name any creatures that might be aligned with the creation of such a thing? Fire and slashy? Yeah. Uh, I only know fire. Uh, it, it would, would a dragon be considered slashy? I think that it could be. Again, this is something that's you up to the dungeon master. Does it fit for what you want the process to be like? So... I like having, you know, a thematically aligned situation. So, yeah, I would personally say absolutely. If you have your party have to hunt down a red dragon to get their hands on, like, let's just say, I don't know, the dragon, you know, the dragon heart, because, you know, why not just go full cheesy with it? So you need to harvest the dragon's heart. And then, you know, when the sword is, you know, finished with its forging process it has to be stabbed into the dragon heart to be quenched and you know that will imbue it with its you know that will stabilize the creation process of this item. like whatever kind of bullshit you want to pull it's the kind of thing that can be a lot of fun for a dungeon master can be a lot of fun for players at the table and yet i never fucking see that it is always just magic item shop i want magic thing i want gold Okay, here is gold. Great. Here is magic item. Great. Good day, sir. Like, for some reason, like, it is more common, at least in, you know, my experience playing 5th edition, like, to still use the idea of the magic item shop, even when it is, you know, very, very, very expensive magic items. They're just kind of there. Like, honestly, this is one thing that I do actually appreciate about you, Nathan, is the fact that yeah, magic is capable of some bullshit, but magic items are almost all made to order because they're expensive and they wouldn't just have the good stuff on the shelves. So having magic items need to be made for a need is a good way to do it. Yeah, that that's the reason why I, I have it that way. Oh, I fully know it's just because you don't fucking know or care <laughs> about the actual magic items or the prices involved or the crafting processes. But in this case, you stumbled into something all right, mostly. You, you still suck at gold and costs and everything related to economics. 
You make me sad, Remy. Bad numbers in general, really. I mean, I, I could get the evidence, but I think that's pushing things. <laughs> They're sad because it's true. <laughs> hmm, that's not a subject I want to think too much on. Sorry, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't throw stones in glass houses when it comes to being sad. Anyway. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anyway, honestly, magic items, it's magic. And the fact that it has been reduced to such a basic commodity in a lot of D&D games really is something disappointing to me. So I'm curious, Nathan, could you think of any other just like ways that you can play with that idea for some for a fun magic item? Like making magic items yeah. or designing custom magic items or crafting them? Uh... For the moment, let's focus on the crafting. We'll touch on the other bit in a moment. Okay, so the way I would say crafting, um, a couple cool ways I have in mind uh, would basically be a case of there's really uh, two main things that goes like logically into a magic item. The magic and the item. <laughs> so, number one, how do you make magic more, make the magic part happen, right? So... You need to, first off, um, maybe find someone who's skilled in uh, doing certain things. Perhaps certain kinds of magics are only specialized by certain people, which means a uh, magic weapon might be a work in progress where you need to go to different vendors uh, that slowly build it up into something worthy of legends, you know. Um, uh, you might need to learn something yourself as a magic user to uh, perhaps make something. If we're really, really focusing down on like magic crafting, right? So that's a couple of ideas. Uh, another one would be uh, going back to the item part of the magic item. Um, yeah, sure, looking for stuff and things is really cool, but uh, it's a trope, right? But that kind of magic item that's made of a whole bunch of different magic items is also really fun to play with because then you can have the same thing where you you collect different items and the magic item originally starts off as something pretty decent or pretty meh um, but slowly builds itself into something worthy of legends 
Yeah, and to tension off of that, but that reminded me of something. Another good idea that you had back in the day. You can decide to have magic items without crafting, because there are a lot of powerful creatures that exist in D&D where if you have that, you know, awesome kind of moment where you get the finishing blow on the dragon, swing your axe down to, you know, open its jugular and just scream out, you know, your barbarian rage as the dragon goes still. Like, that's the kind of moment where you can then just narrate a moment where you have, you know, as, you know, you begin coming down from your moment of triumph, you notice the blood coating your axe begin to glow as the blood seems to be absorbed by your axe and the axe itself begins generating an enormous amount of heat to the point where the grass below you begins the, to blister but you yourself feel only a pleasant warmth whoa like you can narrate situations of the creation of a magic item not by crafting yeah, but through I do, interesting moments. I do love doing that. It's a cool <laughs> idea. No, because like literally you could build a setting off of that very concept because it's such a cool concept and it's such a good way to work out things. Because imagine a world, right, where you just modified <laughs> the rules a bit and had milestone level up, but had it so that basically it's a case where you fight monsters and then certain monsters means that you you get to um unlock certain additional abilities or something you know that kind of shit or uh get your weapons <laughs> or your magical items like think of it video games uh -huh, man it's uh -huh. it's crazy <laughs> i mean it's a world like that could also be seen as a world where like the rules of leveling up and such is a bit more literal and codified even like, or you could go where it's just like wild magic and who knows what the fuck is actually going to happen when you win. <laughs> but it's a fun just kind of other way to think about things of like, okay, yeah, the more things that you kill, like you can then, you know, upgrade your weapon, your gear. I mean, it, it's I mean, then you basically have Monster Hunter in D&D, &D, which is not a bad thing at all. <laughs> oh, man, I love Monster Hunter. That would that would be a lot of fun, too. But yeah, so just because there are slightly lackluster rules in the Dungeon Master's Guide in Xanathar's doesn't mean that there aren't cool things that you can do, again, if you do choose to have, you know, more magic items in your world. So just for the sake of completeness, let's also just talk about the low end of things for a moment. Hey, Nathan, is it okay to have magic items be uncraftable and rare? perfectly fine yeah there's I a lot of fiction that, that just is, does that that's a I relatively think, um, normal thing actually there's another way to do the uh, whole killer thing game powers there's always these things and uh hor like hordes and uh you know a past uh, hero might have died to this monster and you get their weapon absolutely so now let's go to the opposite end of things where i am most happy which is of course homebrew so nathan uh tell us about how you actually do magic item crafting uh, the, the way i do it uh-huh so um first things first <laughs> i um ask the player 
So uh, this is magic item shop. You want magic item, right? And then they're like, right, I want magic item. And then I say, okay, you have this amount of gold, right? Right. Well, most no, of technically you ask to... them how much gold they have because it's not something you even keep track of. Yes. <laughs> how much gold do you have, sir? And then the person's like, it will cost that much minus five. So you have five gold left after your purchase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it's like, yay, everyone's happy. It's great. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, it's not even a joke. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> he really does it that way. Which is why the secret is to lie about how much gold you have, or just declare a number of what you're willing to pay. You're not wrong. <laughs> no, there's a reason that I'm always the richest character. <laughs> it's because I know how you take our gold. <laughs> Like, there is no consistency about, like, a plus one or a plus two or complicated or not or, you know, indestructible even. There, you have prices vary between, like, 500 and 5,000 for the same thing, which, uh, which, uh, the thing that infuriates me most about that is because I know you don't do that on purpose, but that happens to be damn near the exact fucking line for a rare magic item by rules as written. So technically could be seen as accurate. <laughs> but I know it's just It's amazing. Uh, it's like the actual line is like 501 to 5000. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you wouldn't do it on purpose because you don't take notes about whenever we do a shopping episode, you still don't actually write anything down about what you say. No, I don't. No, you don't. So it is only because of me being an OCD asshole that we actually know who paid and got what for anything ever. <laughs> I mean, you, you make use of what you have, eh? <laughs> uh, yeah. <sighs> and what sucks is that it works for you. No one else at the party actually gives a damn, because it's not like they really care about gold at all. So for our game, it works. It it's pushes perfect. every button in my heart, but it works for you <laughs> and the game that you're running. I hate uh, that fact, but great. it is indeed a fact. Remember, Remy, oh, Riftquake no. is not about extreme correctness in anything whatsoever. It's uh, just about doing just about enough to get it right. Kind of. Uh, uh, God, that should be the damn t-shirt. <laughs> doing enough to get it mostly right. Kind of. Uh, and it's just your face with doing a thumbs up pose. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> New merch coming soon. Oh boy. Alright, anyway, um sorry, that was a bit of a psychotic break tangent. I apologize once again. It it, it does just anyway, no, no, must move on. Alright. So let's think though about the opposite end of things, which is of course high magic. A.K.A. where Remy is most happy. Hi, magic! Yes, using magic to get high, time-honored tradition, many ways to do so. Uh, see episode on drugs. Uh, oh, uh, actually, uh, one thing before I do 
uh, go off into that that I should also clarify. I mentioned having you know appropriate parts for a magic item being one way to do things, but that doesn't have to literally be a part. Like there actually is a little bit more description of such in Xanathar too, but it could also be something like I don't know a rare herb that only grows on this one treacherous mountain like it doesn't have to be a creature part it could be any just magical bullshit you pull out of your ass that just is appropriate or that you just say is appropriate because also something else to keep in mind if you do make use of that kind of system more is the idea that okay if if you can use you know a dragon heart let's just stick with that example for making you know flame items and weaponry and such okay That means then there might be a market even for such things in a higher magic world where there might be a bit more demand with there being more adventurers to exist in such worlds. So then that's cool. So could there be a thing of like, you know, red dragons have just like gone into hiding because they're sick of being fucking hunted by adventurers? Is it the kind of thing where dragons might be trying to amass power for revenge because again, by rules as written, dragons are incredibly intelligent, sentient, sapient beings. So they would be pissed as hell that they're getting fucking hunted for parts. And that could be a kind of interesting campaign idea, honestly. If you just have the dragons of the world pissed off at the damn humanoids trying to hunt them to make their magic items. That could easily be a campaign, and I think that would be pretty damn cool. You know, or of course, like there's so many ways that you could do such a thing or, okay, let's just say, you know, even without, you know, that context, okay, let's say that there is dragon heart on the market. Like, is that the kind of thing then that like a rogue in the party might like have some insight on where there might be like a dragon heart black market, you know, and then you can have instead of like, if you want to have like a less combat heavy you know, kind of campaign, but still make use of that. You can go like intrigue, you know, thievery, heist movies kind of style. Like you are not limited to just I fight the thing. D&D is capable of a lot more than that. And that's what I appreciate just in world building in general. Like this is the kind of stuff that dungeon masters should take the time to think about is what do you like? What is the system? Like, what is required for the system? And are there, you know, kind of follow-on effects of the system that you choose to make use of? Like, do you go the route of, like, every fucking thing in the world, like, has some magic to it? Like, maybe in your world, like, magic, it's, like, magic and life are one and the same. Everything, like, that is alive has magic to it. You know, all people, plants, everything. In which case, okay, maybe such a world has a lot more potions. Or maybe you can use like inanimate ingredients for the creation of magic items if you do have the right formula. In which case, such an idea of using a formula might actually make sense in such a world. Like The point being, there is not one way to do things. There is no limit. There is, as I so love to say, an infinite number of varieties of how you can go about things. And that's fantastic. So that's, that's not what you say, Remy. You say an infinite amount of <laughs> options or something along those lines. What, what variety? Fuck. So anyway, on the high magic end of things, though, something that very rarely comes up, but confuses people when it does. Nathan, what do you think would be a logical progression if you had a more high magic world 
with lots of magic users. More magic items, cheaper magic items. You're on the right path. Why? Uh, Why? Free market. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Industry is where I'm going with that. China? Uh, I mean, unless you're playing D20 Modern, doubtful. But anyway, the idea being, though, if you have a world with a lot of magic users, with magic being a relatively accessible thing in such a world, yeah, you might then have more competition when it comes to the sale of magic items, which might prompt research into the creation of magic items. Maybe more artificers would get trained in such a world. More people who can make magic items cheaper or faster or what have you. So that is something that is worth thinking about. So maybe that could even be the rules in such a world. It's like, okay, maybe only artificers are able to craft magic items in such a world. Just so that, you know, you as a dungeon master don't have to worry about too much, you know, magic item glut. But then, like, how many artificers does that even make for your world? Which is, again, why I like thinking about demographics personally. Although, as we discussed in that episode, I know I go too far. I just don't care because I think it's neat. But anyway, you have people making magic items. You have people competing on the prices for the sale of magic items. You have people that might be researching to improve the quality of magic items in some way, or just to have variety of magic items. And this is a point where I need to also reiterate another thing. There are an enormous number of magic items in the many 5th edition books that are out. That does not mean that those are all of the magic items that can exist or all the magic items that do exist in your world. Because, again, it is completely up to the Dungeon Master to decide what magic items exist or don't exist in your world. If you want to not make Wish capable of being enchanted into a magic item, I can see the logic of that. So if you want to just say you can only cast Wish, it can't be in an item, you can make such a judgment. If you want to say that it's a lot more common in your world for there to be, you know, items like Wand of Magic Missiles, so that even people who aren't able to naturally cast magic, you know, have a way to defend themselves. Like, you can do that. So... We call those guns, you know. Well, no, because Magic Missile automatically hits the thing you intend to hit, and guns notoriously don't do that. I mean, uh, that's what they they say. Um, Yeah, my bullets, I did not intend to hit that person. It was all an accident. Trust me. Especially given recent events, I really just don't want to talk about that subject right now. But in all seriousness, magic items can be a massive force multiplier, whether for player characters or NPCs. So consideration of what magic item crafting you decide to make use of in your world is something that can have a massive impact on the feel of your world, the actions that people in said world take, and depending on exactly what route you choose, can still be a hell of a lot of fun to yourself and everyone at your table. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash riftwakepodcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Riffs and Rules topics. 
Find us on social media, on Twitter, at Riftwake Podcast, on Facebook as Riftwake, on Reddit, on the subreddit, r slash Riftwake Podcast, and you can send us an email, riftwakepodcast at gmail.com. And that's it for today. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.